Yeah. Yeah, man. I woke up with a bunch of shit on my mind I'm breaking the curses through the verses for a stick and design The time's wilder than they ever been Vibing in the salt like a terrapin Laughing to aspire through the heavy ones The beast roll up They got no chances on advancing when my piece roll up We keep it cooking like rotisserie The mystery on how to navigate through it all We're stepping smarter than we bothered with the breaks in the fall So whether burning hot for summer or be mad in the cold I call a robber MC so we can stroll down the rabbit hole Down the rabbit hole Down the rabbit hole Rob the MC Cole, let's hit the rabbit hole and the rabbit hole Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Down the Rabbit Hole podcast I literally, these two people are one of the biggest guests I've ever had The most important to me in my life In my journey, as I, one of the reasons why I created this podcast To be a voice for other people And to give a voice to a group of people that has not been given a voice And these people have dramatically changed hundreds and thousands of lives through their content and producing. So please welcome in Lady C and JT. How y'all doing? Okay. Hey, how's it going? This is JT. Excellent, 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 excellent. Man, um, it's just such a pleasure to have you guys on. For Let's get the first things first. How was your day so far today um, in, in, in the, where you guys live? Doing pretty good. We had a pretty good day. Yeah, it was good. Day was day was a good day. Oh, no rain or nothing like that. No, we had sunshine up here in the D.C. area. Very nice. Very nice. Nice. Okay, down here in Georgia, it was a, a little. You know, Georgia just weird. It was like seventy degrees. It started off forty degrees, and then it got to seventy degrees. So I said, okay, with well, humidity too. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but um, for for those who are not associated with you guys in terms of your content and um and not aware of what you guys do, kind of give them a, a quick elevator pitch of what you guys do, and then we'll kind of go from there. Well, we have been on YouTube since about 2013 or so, mm-hmm. and. We are online activists, and we're here to help people to examine the teachings of the Jehovah's Witnesses using critical thinking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we left the organization, we felt like it was part of our responsibility that we would also help people to learn about this religion. And when we left, there was no social media, no YouTube. Mm -hmm. So just being to help other people to navigate out of the waters of this religion, to understand that they're not by themselves, and that when they begin to think about where they've been, then they know that, you know, they're not they're not going crazy, you know, because yeah. we're all in this together, you know? Definitely. Definitely. And that's how I stumbled upon you guys, um, YouTube. I, I was randomly one day, I was, you know, just scrolling through and just wanted to get some information. And I saw you guys and and there in 20, 30 videos later of <laughs> watching your content, which is very addictive and very informative and helpful. Tell us for the, for the audience who understand, you know, you said activism, but um, you talked about critical thinking. Why is that so important specifically when it comes to the Jehovah's Witness religion? Because a lot of, especially in the black community, a lot of people know and see the Jehovah's Witnesses knocking on doors. They may even have some family members and cousins that may have go to the kingdom hall, etc. But why is that so important when it comes to this group of people, this, this specific religion? Well, one of the reasons we believe is, is so important is because Jehovah's Witnesses have basically two signs. Mm-hmm. They have a public persona, which is a wonderful 
public persona, clean cut, uh, respectable religious group, but they also have a, another side. And unfortunately, the other side is what you're not able to discuss or talk about, even being one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And that's really the whole key. Um, the Jehovah's Witnesses, and I want to be very, very clear, your typical Jehovah's Witness, your grandmama, your cousin, somebody you work with, somebody on the job, next door neighbor, they basically are good people because it takes good people to be willing to sit out in the rain with books and magazines trying to offer them to people. So we try to be very clear when we discuss Jehovah's Witnesses with people because people often say, you are attacking Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm -hmm. No, what we're doing is actually what Jehovah's Witnesses tell other people to do. Mm -hmm. When a Jehovah's Witness knocks on your door, they're basically asking you a very simple question. Mm -hmm. Are you open-minded enough and willing to examine something about your own religion, even if it might not put it in a good light. That's basically the essence of what every Jehovah's Witness asks when they knock on someone's door. Are you willing and open-minded to examine things about your own religion? Now, the ironic part of that is, that's what a Jehovah's Witness is unable to do. Um, to question, to challenge, to start asking the wrong questions, as a Jehovah's Witness, everyone knows it will get you into a lot of trouble. Oh yeah, oh yeah, it very much so, very much so. And I'm, I'm so appreciative of you guys being able to explain. And and, and when I was talk, thinking about the people in the community do so much wonderful work, especially you guys being the foremost, the forefront of that. Um, who could explain that experience better for the non-witness? You know, obviously I'm coming from the position of person who was associated with this organization as well. And a lot of times on this podcast, I, I may joke about my experience and stuff like that. And I may not necessarily be as buttoned up and as polished in terms of, you know, trying to present myself, but I'm myself now, you know, and I'm, I'm my whole life I've been very, uh, very people pleasing, very much a product of, you know, the marketing of the Jehovah's Witnesses, even in my personal life, even though I'm no longer one of Jehovah's Witnesses, um, <laughs> it, it affects your life. People be like, man, you, you know, there's a certain uh, behavioral style that you, that you develop trying to, trying to be in that group think, uh, situation. So I'm thankful for you being able to explain it that way. So for those who don't know, tell us kind of give us your background in Jehovah's Witnesses, because some of us, there's different terms they may or may not know, but tell us just how deep you were in. Um, and on previous episodes, I've talked about Bethel very lightly. I've talked about little small things like my experience. You know, I was a ministerial servant myself. But kind of talk about your experience and how deep your uh, relation, your, your experience went with the Jehovah's Witness uh, organization. Well, basically for me, I, I was telling someone uh, earlier today, we were having this conversation. And I said, uh, my family was like an old school Jehovah's Witness family because we took this religion very seriously. Mm -hmm. So whenever the society said, you know, how high should we should jump? We were, you know, they tell us to jump. We're like, how high we, my family was very um, obedient to this religion. Now as a female, I could only go so far. So I did regular pioneer and then I went to serve with the need was great with my pioneer partners. So that was about as high as I went. But again, we were we were very obedient Jehovah's Witnesses. We didn't take the religion um, lightly. We took it very seriously. So mm -hmm. we were at all of our meetings. We we did everything we were supposed to do as Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm -hmm. And you know, and then of course, so when I met my husband, who was even further in than me, mm -hmm. 
that it was like, oh, you're, you you come from a really good Jehovah's Witness background. And so at that point, you know, it's like, okay, you're, you're considered good marriage material because, mm-hmm. you know, you're doing everything that the Watchtower is telling you to do, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, yeah. So I'll let A.T. talk about his um, involvement. Okay, okay. Yeah, my my experience, as well as my wife, uh, it starts uh, when we were very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mother became a Jehovah's Witness when I was a child. So basically, I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness kid. Mm-hmm. And it's important to understand that for many people, their religion is something that they may just do on Sunday. Mm-hmm. But Jehovah's Witness, you live it oh, each yeah. and every day. <laughs> and it goes to the point where Every decision that you make as a Jehovah's Witness, your religion will have an impact on it. And this will be in areas that really should be of a personal choice and taste, but the religion and the culture, it will influence you from things such as how you dress, what type of music you listen to, the movies, who will be your friends and who will not be your friends. Even such things as decisions about the type of careers that you will pursue and you won't pursue. This religion will have an impact on all of those areas. And so as the years go by, you begin to see that a lot of the decisions that you made, even though it was presented as this is what God wants you to do, or if you want to be a good Christian, or one of their favorite phrases is a mature Christian. And that word by referring to you as a mature Christian is really a catch-all. Because this way, you don't have to be told you can't do it, but you are identified as to whether you are a mature Christian or an immature Christian. And of course, a person trying you know, to follow Jesus Christ, they want to be considered a mature Christian. Mm-hmm. So they'll just give you a laundry list of these are the things that mature Christians do. Or in the case of as a young person, they'll use the phrase mature youth. Mm-hmm. And so if you're making certain decisions, then you'll be categorized as a either immature youth or immature youth, immature youth. And, and to give people a, even a deeper understanding, it could be something as literally simple as a beard. Like literally, I was uh, because I couldn't, I wasn't allowed to grow facial hair. God, and this is an organization that says, you know, you can, uh, you know, you you follow God's will, right? God created your hair to grow, right? And you can't have a beard. But it was something that they take, they take the word and they spread, they 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 stretch, like you said, things that are personal decisions. They stretch a lot of things. And a lot of a lot of people know. Yeah, I'm a Christian. You know, a lot of people go to their churches and, and are church going, and they may not necessarily curse or whatever the case may be. But some things, with, especially with the Jehovah's Witness organization, they is not biblical. Their standards and their book of practices is something totally different. They have, they have, they, they take some scriptures and they just take some things and they just stretch them, you know. And one of the biggest issues a lot of people who don't know about Jehovah's Witnesses will say about the blood transfusion thing, they know about that situation and they know about the holidays. And so those are the two and the birthdays. Those three things most people who know don't who don't who who are non Jehovah's Witnesses will say, Oh, you guys don't celebrate birthdays, you don't celebrate holidays and blood transfusions. Those are the three things. And those are some critical areas that affect people's lives socially and also physically. And and many people have died because of the blood transfusion situation. Are you, do you guys know um am I being correct in that assumption there? Or not assumption, but that that explanation? Oh, yeah, because it happened even in my family. Uh, my mother was studying at the time when my baby brother was born, and he had what was, he had a disease that was known as jaundice, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a blood disorder. And um, I remember the first question was, can we do that? 
And it became a very big issue for my father because he wasn't one of Jehovah's Witnesses. And his position was, we're going to take the boy to the hospital. That's all we need to know. Mm-hmm. And my mom was, we need to call the elders first. We need to call the elders first, call the brothers first. And so that is part of the culture. Uh, one of the things that we try to help people to understand on our site, on our channel, is that there are really two aspects about Jehovah's Witnesses that a person needs to uh, understand. Mm-hmm. One their actual teachings or their theology. Mm -hmm. And the second is the culture. Mm -hmm. The culture is probably as powerful as their theology because the culture and it takes place that persons outside of the religion, they wouldn't even notice it. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't even. And, and so as we know, anything that involves culture, like in a company, if you have a company where people come in dress casual, then mm-hmm. that's a casual dress company. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have a button down suit and top type company, and it may not even be in the handbook, it may not be in the employee's handbook, but everybody knows that if you're going to progress in this company, you're going to have to do this or do that. Mm-hmm. And so over witnesses, the, the problem is they take it and they then sign God's name to it. And mm-hmm. that's really the problem. A lot of things that might be of a personal taste choice, it is presented as this is what God says. Mm-hmm. And that's the danger of groups like Jehovah's Witnesses because they end up signing God's name to a lot of things. And uh, ironically, 10, 15 years down the road, they come back and, and revise it. And it's like, well, how did God get it wrong to start with? Oh, so yeah. that was one of the reasons why we set up our channel and call it what it was, critical thinkers. Because when we look back, that was one of the things that we really observed. We just didn't do as Jehovah's Witnesses. We were the type of people as an organization, as a religion, that was taught, do as you are told. Mm-hmm. Do are you as, do, do what we tell you to do. And as a result, because of the culture, you never could discuss it among other Jehovah's Witnesses. Any Jehovah's Witness who even raised any type of question about something that's being done, mm-hmm. uh, they are looked at out the corner of their eye. And if you go a little too far, oh, yeah. you end up getting in. They drop and the so hammer the, on you. You, they drop the hammer. And so the culture itself keeps people in check. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's terrifying. You know, it's terrifying. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that. And um, since, since leaving the organization, mm-hmm. what I have discovered is when we were Jehovah's Witnesses, we knew how to temper our words. We knew what not to say mm-hmm. that would cross the line, that would make people start to question what we're saying. Mm -hmm. So like right now, when you talk to people and they start telling you about how they're trying to introduce a a different thought to their family Mm -hmm. and their family members say, what what, what are you saying? Mm -hmm. You know, don't even go there. Don't even, don't even, what are you trying to say? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And they stop their family member from talking because they can already see that they're venturing off into this conversation that's getting ready to go against the organization. Mm-hmm. Well, you were a Jehovah's Witness. You knew how to stay in the confines of the com- conversation mm-hmm. so that people did not start to question, did you actually believe this is the truth? Are you questioning Jehovah? You knew how to stay out of those dangerous waters in a conversation. Oh yeah, you, know, you knew you, you need to stay in there, stay in line, get out of line, yeah, in line. And get get out of line, and it's you know it's, it's going to be some short time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so when you see, when you leave the organization, what I found is because after you leave, all of the teachings they start to wear off, mm-hmm. and so you begin to have conversations that you could never have before, mm-hmm. and you could be 
that ask certain questions mm-hmm. so that when you're afraid to go talk to another witness and you've been gone for a while, your lingo is not the same. Mm-hmm. You know, you're to have a, um, your own thoughts mm-hmm. or, to, you know, think, start to think for yourself. And the witness can tell mm-hmm. that you're no longer in with them. Oh, yeah. At that point, questioning you, they're already questioning you because they know you ain't going to the meetings. Mm-hmm. But now when they hear you talk, they can see how you begin to like drift away from their way of thinking. Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. And, and you know, you say, oh, to be careful, leaning on your own thoughts. I, I got in tr- literally my buddy. I haven't seen my buddy. Uh, my buddy, I ain't gonna mention his name. My buddy hadn't seen him for 12 years. He left and moved uh, down to Georgia from Maryland 12 years uh, when I was 18. And we just reconnected. Um, we both left the organization. And, um, the funny thing he said, well, when because I, I was I stayed until 2014, and I think he might have left a little couple years after. I think he left in 2017. But the problem is, he said people were saying you are already this and that. And I said, first of all, I never said anything publicly about Jehovah's Witnesses. I had never mentioned my reason for leaving. And actually, at the point, I had never, I didn't even disassociate myself. I didn't do anything like that. I had never, and even to this day, you know, so I had never done any of that stuff. I had didn't mention it. I didn't talk anything negative. I didn't put any opinions out. I literally just kept to myself. And even though I just kept to myself, literally, there's rumors and stuff going around about what I said, you know, who I am and what I did. Same people that know me for the decade are saying, you know, that this and that. And I know my character and I make sure that I carried myself a certain way so that if they did try to say something that it couldn't be proven true because I had never done it. And so now at this point. Um, several many years out I'm fully free of the shackles of that I'm going to talk and speak and be an advocate just like you guys you guys give me enough encouragement to do that Um, and there's different ways to do it but before we get down to talking about the different ways that people can be activists because there's different ways to do that I just want to for my audience and just for people who do know you guys and don't know you guys that, that deeply what year did you guys leave We actually left in 1998. So 98. Okay, nice. So yep. that, that gives us some framework. So we left in 1998. Okay. And so what was, the, what was the final straw for you guys when you said, I got to get out of this place? This is like some people have a job. They're like, man, I got to get out of here. This is the straw that broke the camel's back. For you guys, what, is there yeah. anything that was a straw um, that broke the camel's back? Yeah, it's, it's the straw that often breaks many witnesses back is the changing in teachings. Mm-hmm. Um, when you teach certain things to your neighbors, to your classmates, to your coworkers on the job, uh, you teach yourself, you teach your family. Uh, if you are a, a male who serves in a position in the, in the congregation, in the church, as it were, and you stand before thousands of people and you teach them X, Y, Z is what the Bible teaches. And then you come back in a few years and then you change the, the whole teaching or either you throw it in the trash. It's very difficult to keep telling yourself this is something that God would do. Um, probably, and, and this is kind of what makes it kind of unique for young people. Uh, young people uh, remind you of the king has no clothes on. It's a story we all learned in school about the king who was supposed to have these fine garments made and they were invisible. And all the townspeople were trying to praise him how, oh, I love your Gucci, you know, I love your Versace. Mm-hmm. And it was, it took a child who was like, he naked. He just found that naked, okay? And so, and so the, the point is, that's what it is for young people. Young people often are the very first to realize this ain't making no sense at all. 
But because the adults around them keep saying, don't talk about it, be quiet, leave it alone. Young people who often see things making literally no sense, Mm -hmm. that view that they have, it is put out, it's extinguished. And so you end up pushing stuff back. And you, I've talked to so many young people who they was like 13, 14 years old. They're like, we go to the meeting, the brother's talking about this. This don't make no sense. And they understood it didn't make any sense. But because <laughs> you can't see anything, mm-hmm. the adults around you are going to shut you down. You end up pushing this stuff to the back of your head. Oh, yeah. And that's where, and that's where it is a game changer today. Mm-hmm. See, the difference back when I was coming along, you couldn't, you didn't have the outlets. And today we do have the outlets. For young people, especially. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel like, and just to really, you know, piggyback on what JT is saying, um, I feel like our relationship that JT and I had, we, we just had this relationship where we just had frank conversations with each other. Mm-hmm. And so no matter what took place, if, if we saw something going on in the congregation that we thought was kind of strange, we didn't just keep it to ourselves. Mm-hmm. We had conversations with each other. Not only that, but it was during the time when the internet was becoming very popular. And of course, you know, we would go online, we were, we were surfing the internet. We don't have, we didn't have the content online that we have now, but we certainly were able to go online and, and see different things that people, that early, early activists were beginning to populate online. And not only that, but as JT had mentioned, it was the teachings because I remember um, I was walking out of our bedroom one day and he approached me and he said, he goes, look, he was showing me this teaching that had changed. And it was the 1914 generation teaching. And he said, if the end of the world don't come by the year 2000, he said, I'm out of here. He said, because you know, he noticed that they had made a change to the teaching. Now, it went over my head because I wasn't in tune to the teachings because I wasn't given talks. But he was given those public talks, and, and that was one of the talks that he used to give was about the 1914 generation. Oh, yeah, which it's changed like, when I left, right, right, literally right before the year. They changed it again in 2014. Yeah, so the, so the, yeah, the constant changing, the change changing of teachings. And, um, I don't think a lot of people, um, really gravitate to the, the doctrines as much as they do to the association at the kingdom hall and, mm-hmm. and the friendships. They have. Mm-hmm. And so we encourage people to pay attention to those teachings and to be more in tune to what the, they're talking about at the kingdom hall, instead of how many people are talking to them and associating with them because I think that's how people can lose sight on what they're learning by just being more in tune to going out in service and the social aspect of being a Jehovah's Witness. Oh yeah. And, and, and so for, again, for the audience that, that doesn't understand and no, not associated with the culture, when we're talking about when the, when the changing teachings and it's like, what, what's wrong with that? I mean, you just, just like when you get updated books and stuff like that, the reason why 
It's not like school. It's not like college. It's not like your workplace updating policies. They are literally saying they are the mouthpiece of God. And what they're saying is what God is saying. So literally when they change these, because in a lot of these teachings, like with the blood transfusions and the white blood cells, very specific technical medical things. They were literally saying many years before the technology and everything else was, was there, that this is what God is saying. So when you take information that you created and that you put together and that you manipulated, and you're saying literally it is the word of God. God and people die because of it. You are responsible for that. And as an organization, not the people, but as an organization, I'm talking about the leadership of the Jehovah's Witnesses have not held themselves accountable for the countless deaths that the blood transfusion has had. And even um, there's a big issue. And I think it was Rwanda where the with the with the uh, with the people that were in, in, in Mexico as well, I think. Um, I think there, there was a big issue. Um, I, I know you guys can speak to that a little bit more. Wasn't there a big issue in Africa with the, the passport cards or whatever, where they it was political cards. It was it was Malawi and Mexico. Malawi and Mexico. Okay, Malawi. Yeah. Can you kind of for people who may not be aware? Again, this is very high end stuff. For people, normal people, are like okay, I just see a watchtower and that's it. Can you give them a little bit of just a small tidbit of what happened in Malawi? Just a simple experience. I mean, a simple uh, you know explanation of that and why that was such a big deal and why people don't really know about that. Yeah, it, 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 when I was coming along, and I remember this, uh, witnesses in different countries. They, are, they often are treated differently by the government. Uh, there was Jehovah's Witnesses in the country of Malawi. Uh, they were asked by the government, and, it, and in, in the Malawi, they only had one party. In, in, in many places, you have four or five different political parties. But in Malawi, they only had one party. And they were, all citizens were required to carry a political card. And the card was worth basically what we equivalent to about 25 cents mm-hmm. for a for card. Well, Jehovah's Witnesses, because they don't get involved in politics and so forth, they turned it down. They said, we're not going to take this car. As a result, you know, witnesses were, were, were tortured, beaten, raped. I mean, the businesses were burned down. I mean, it was terrible. I mean, it was, it was, it was really just, just horrendous. Well, the ironic thing was, during the same time that was taking place in Malawi, there was a situation in Mexico. And these are issues that are handled by the corporate office out of New York in the United States. So here you have... A ruling is being provided for people who live in Malawi. None of these people in the United States live in Malawi, so they're not going through this suffering. Mm-hmm. And they also have a ruling for people in Mexico. In Mexico, every young man is required to serve basically like two years in the National Guard, their version of the National Guard. And mm-hmm. as a result, you get a little card that says, I have been trained and ready to serve in the Mexican National Guard basically to defend the nation. Okay? Mm-hmm. Well, in Mexico, the Jehovah's Witnesses were allowed by the Watchtower Society out of, out of the United States to buy and bribe the officials. Mm-hmm. And what was so ironic about it was, it was actually many of the Mexican Jehovah's Witnesses who heard about what was happening in Malawi, mm-hmm. and they began to ask, well, are we supposed to be doing this? Because the quote-unquote brothers and sisters over in Malawi, they're being persecuted. We just pay off the bribe and keep going. Mm-hmm. And so it was actually many of the actual Mexican witnesses who wanted to know, should we be doing this or not? And the ruling was keep doing it. And so basically, you know, you have witnesses who present themselves as, as always law abiding and so forth, but the watchtower had property down there. They didn't want to lose. Mm-hmm. So they allowed witnesses in Mexico to be, to basically bribe government officials so they could get this card that said, I have served 
in the National Guard, and I'm trained and ready to defend the country if called upon to do so. Everybody knows Jehovah Witnesses don't serve in the military. Mm -hmm. But, and so, it's when you start looking around the world and you see how in one country, in one place, they got one rule, and another place, they got another rule, and people, as you mentioned before, people's lives are being impacted. I mean, I remember this so well because my mom actually wrote a letter to the, to the ruling party in Malawi, along with other Jehovah's Witnesses, they were told, we want everybody to write a letter and tell them not to mistreat our brothers and sisters. But none of the witnesses knew what was going on down in Mexico. And it was only because basically a member of the governing body, which is like the, the highest level in the organization, it's like the Pope, mm-hmm. actually left the organization and wrote about it and told. Mm-hmm. You know, we had two cases running at the same time. In one country, folks going to prison, being beaten. In another country... Folks sipping tequila. I mean, it, it, I mean, it's, it's amazing how you have a religion that has different rules for different places. Oh yeah, oh yeah, awesome. I really appreciate you explaining that very succinctly, and, and people need to look into that and Google and research it. It's very, very interesting. So a lot of people know um, whenever you leave any group, high control group, and people who are into this stuff, they research and you know stuff like that. But how hard was it for you guys to get your life together after you left? Because you left this organization, you've invested twenty two, three, four decades into this religion, going as high as going into the highest possible place you could be, being in some of the highest positions of power, which you, you occupied, and your wife as well. Um, how were you guys to get your life together? You invested all this time, and now you literally are cut off socially from a group. You're cut off um, from that group energy and everything and experience. So how were you able to get your life together? How hard was that for you guys to get your life together once you left that organization? Looking back, it was really um, a process. Um, but what we did was um, we, we, we immediately enrolled in college. Mm-hmm. So we would be spending all of our time going to Kingdom Halls, going to the meeting at the Kingdom Hall. We were able to replace all the meeting attendance and all that with college classes. Mm-hmm. So now that took that time. We still had our, we still had our full-time jobs and so forth. But what we did also was we reached out to some of our um, non-Jehovah's Witness family members mm-hmm. and, um, you know, let them know that we had left the religion and um, we let them know why we left. Mm-hmm. And we began to attend, you know, family reunions, family functions mm-hmm. with our family members that were not witnesses, which were quite a few mm-hmm. uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Uh, we all, and what I did was I reached back to some of my old coworkers that I used to work with and I was able to, you know, uh, reestablish, you know, like friendships with them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then we, we actually moved to another area, which was like 20 minutes away from where we were living before, mm-hmm. but where we live at in the DC area, you know, you could be in. D.C., Maryland, or Virginia within 20 minutes of each other. Mm-hmm. And so we moved from Virginia over to Maryland, and um, we, we, were, we were buying new property. Mm-hmm. So we were having a home built. And they always say when you're moving into a new neighborhood, you know, everybody that's moving in at the same time tends to have a little camaraderie shit because mm-hmm. everybody's together talking about the property, how long it's going to take for their house to get built because you know you you end up meeting people and we ended up becoming part of the board um at our at our homeowners association and we were working with them 
and, um, you know, being part of the board. So, you know, we got a chance to meet people Mm -hmm. and meeting our neighbors. And, and this one, um, a a family kind of took us under their wing. They didn't even know we were ex witnesses. We didn't tell anybody Mm -hmm. that we used to be witnesses. And so, um, we kind of got absorbed into their life mm-hmm. and um, they seemed like, I mean, they were really very instrumental in us, you know, leaving and, and feeling like we were part of another group. Mm-hmm. And um, it was really good, you know, meeting new people um, and, and, you know, just going around people that we didn't have to show up and say, we used to be Jehovah's Witnesses. And we decided that after we left, we did not want to leave the religion and every time we met somebody, we w- we were going to be telling them that we used to belong to this group. Mm-hmm. And the reason why we did that is because we n- we never knew if those people would have family members mm-hmm. or or friends that are Jehovah's Witnesses. And we didn't want to get caught up in the um you come you go to a get together with somebody, and then every time you walk in the door, everybody's looking at you like. Yeah, they used to be Jehovah's Witnesses, or then they end up saying, somebody end up saying, well, you know, they steal our Jehovah's Witnesses. We just said we ain't going to mention nothing mm-hmm. about our Jehovah's affiliation, mm-hmm. which really made the transition much easier mm-hmm. and smoother. Because wow. we got to come as JT and Lady C, mm-hmm. not two people that used to belong to this group. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, had yeah. to be had to be who we were. Yeah. You got to know us. You had to Not develop your really. own identity. Yeah. And I think that was a really good move. Awesome. For us. I love that. And as we finish up and we get to the back end of this this uh, interview, we just got a few more questions. And I so appreciate your time because you guys, again, are, this is like um, having the... Um, you know the 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 the, the first lady, uh, first lady, and the and the, and the president of the United States in terms of the XJW community, in my opinion. <laughs> so it's an honor just to have you guys on the mic, and, and again, it shows the humility to let me take my my podcast and um and, and to reach out to you guys and have you guys on. Tell me one or two good, great stories about people who have been affected by your video, because we talked about all the bad experiences, all the different things we went through. Let's kind of. Uh, brighten it up just a little bit. What are some? What is a great story that you guys have? One or two that you were willing to share about people who've c- contacted your information through your website or your YouTube page and were able to to be empowered and something positive happened for them. Oh man, there's just so many stories. I, I think the, the the big the the biggest thing is for us mm-hmm. is to see how people are able to leave this religion. Mm-hmm and get themselves established and move forward in a positive way. Mm-hmm. And that is basically the whole reason we do our channel. We want people who are leaving this religion to understand that you can leave and you can still live your life. Because that's what we find is that a lot of people have actually left this organization five, 10, 15, 20 years out haven't set foot in the kingdom hall in 20 years. And when you talk to them, they are feeling as worthless as the day they left the kingdom hall because in their mind, they still believe that since they're not going to the kingdom hall, God is going to kill them. Mm-hmm. And that is absolute dream killer and personal, personal sanity destroyer. It will destroy your sanity. So for us, we have had the chance to meet people, talk to people who once they understood what they were a part of, it helped them to better understand 
why their family or their friends find it so difficult because you finally understand we were part of a high control group. We were part of a cult. And as I often tell people, you cannot get cult status unless the people are doing things. Mm-hmm. And part, part of being in a high control group or a cult is how they will treat you. I remember a guy once made a statement. He says, if you want to know whether you're a cult or not, look at how they treat you when they leave. Mm-hmm. You and I, we were, we work with people every day, talk to people every day who they may have had a family member who went to, you know, Mount Nebo Baptist Church and they decided we're going we're gonna to go down here to Mount Calvary next week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Their family did not cut them off. Mm-hmm. Their family did not own them. Mm-hmm. But in the world of Jehovah's Witnesses, you will lose your mother, your father, your brother, your sister, your uncle. You will lose these people and they will have little to nothing to do with you. That's fact. And that's, and, and the kicker is, that's considered being a good Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. I love when people say, well, my mama still talk to me. My daddy still talk to me. Yes, they certainly do. And by doing that, they are not considered a good Jehovah's Witness. Mm-hmm. So it's very important to understand, like I said, the culture and the teachings. And so we have had people who were literally um, looking at taking their life, man. Mm. I mean, we, we people talk to us and say, you know, one guy had already got a... He'd already, he, he was already, as they say, suited and booted, man. He'd already taken out funeral insurance. I mean, he, this guy was, he was going to take his life. Wow. Uh, and the reason he was a fellowship, he lost all his family. And this is one of the most important things we cannot stress to people. You must start building a new clientele of friends mm-hmm. before you leave. Oh, yeah. This, we were just, just, before we, just before we came on, we were discussing just a couple of points we want to share with people. Um, and so we feel that from what we've seen, it is so important that you consider some serious things before you begin this process. And I want Lady C just to mention some of the things we, we mentioned that we was talking about just before we came online. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, anyways, what I, what I wanted to say is, uh, you had asked about some of the experiences that we had, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um, we had this one experience where, or several experiences like this, where there were individuals who had been trying to get reinstated. Mm-hmm. And what ended up happening was they could not get reinstated. Mm-hmm. And so this, this one sister, she called, she emailed us and she said, I was trying to get reinstated and the brothers kept telling me that I couldn't get reinstated. And so she, so she went on the internet to do her research about why they would not reinstate her. And so she said she actually um, ran across our channel. Mm-hmm. And so she, as she was trying to get reinstated, she, she just said, this ain't even the truth, yeah. you know. So, we, so, we, so I mean, so when you ask the question about, you know, um, how we've touched so many people's lives, I mean, it's, it's those type of things where, you know, people, they're just out there doing research. And the next thing you know, they're coming across our channel and finding out the real truth about the truth. And so um, we have other people who um, basically, they've been questioning the organization. And they feel like, hey, look, I don't want to go to the meetings anymore. Uh, They really haven't discovered anything about the teachings, but they know something isn't right. So they start researching, and then they come across our channel. I mean, I just can't tell you the number of emails that we get from people talking about, you know, how we've touched their lives mm-hmm. and, and woke them up. 
you oh know. my goodness that's so important and one of the biggest things people should realize is you know and, and in Jehovah's Witnesses is unheard of but there was a time when one of their biggest leaders the Jehovah's Witnesses have a group called the you know the governing body and they control everything just like the Mormons have their own governing body the Catholic Church has their own governing body all these are different religions but the governing body of the Jehovah's Witnesses are literally the policy makers and fakers and they change and manipulate whatever information they need to but the greatest person that we could pay a great gratitude because he lost so much and he, and, and, and I get almost emotional thinking about um, just him doing that because it's changed so many people's lives I'm literally getting emotional as I think about it Raymond, Raymond Victor Franz and what Ray Franz did when he left, when he wrote that book, the, one of the greatest works for people. Um, and again, I want you, I want to I want you guys to get back to your suggestions before you for people before they leave. But Raymond Franz was a former governing body who served on the on the governing body of the Jehovah's Witnesses, and he created a book that has changed so many lives. And he's touched so many lives and he's and, and, and I think he's almost he's an unsung hero in a lot of different ways. I look at him as an unsung hero of the XJW movement as well. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and the reason why is very, very simple. What Raymond Franz did was what we all saw in the Wizard of Oz. Mm -hmm. When the little dog pulled the curtain back mm -hmm. and you saw who it actually was. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what Raymond Franz did. He snatched the curtain away so that you could see who the governing body was, who these individuals were that were making decisions for your life and your family. And you quickly realized this has nothing to do with God. And oh, yeah. that's really the, like, because what he, what he did is basically, uh, what has to happen to everyone. Mm -hmm. He provided so many people with a confirmation of what they were thinking and feeling. And once a person gets a confirmation, they're leaving. Mm -hmm. Because when you talk to people, we often laugh about it. One of the questions that we often ask people is, did you ever have doubts? Did you ever wonder about and then people will say, yes. And then you say, well, what happened? And they'll tell you, because of the way the organization is structured, they pushed it to the back of their mind. Which means, once they got the confirmation, it was like, aha, I knew I wasn't going crazy. And that's when people leave. That is the moment that people leave. Once you get that confirmation that this is not the truth, everything changes. Everything changes. Oh yeah, and and not to not to uh, undercut Barbara Anderson as well, who dedicated oh, yeah. her life in many ways. Is she still alive? Yes. Yes. We talked to her day. Oh wow! Uh, yes. Oh, that'd be a great honor to have her on and somehow to meet her, um, Barbara Anderson, and all the work she's done. And um, you know, uh, Waters. Uh, I think his name was what was his name. Uh, um, Randy, Randy Waters, Randy, Randy Waters, and so many guys that have, have that were part of that group. Uh, I would say XJW 1.0, and I guess you, I got, I guess you guys are hybrid. You're like 1.0, 2.0 in terms of like the information and content, but just to so many people that have sacrificed their lives and spending time to produce and put out information for us tirelessly doing that we have to bring honor and respect to those people because they have sacrificed so much and they've put and it's like why and, and the reason and it is what i love about the xjw community and, and, and the reason why i love you guys so much is because you're spending your own time you're reaching back and helping another group a lot of people a lot of times even in the black community people do not reach back they get out the hood they get out the ghetto and they do not come back and reach back in you guys are literally and it says a lot about your character you left you made it out of that place and you're reaching back and helping other people 
and you're like the modern underground railroad for the XJWs and, and we need to give you your flowers while you guys are here and I'm humbled and again appreciative of you guys all that you guys have done and continue to do tirelessly for other people it's a lot of weight to carry what people are going through is um, if, if people only knew what some of these people who used to be Jehovah's Witnesses are going through it would be crazy to hear the stories but um, the, to get back to what you guys were talking about what are some things people should do before they leave you said there's a list of things you guys were talking about yeah, um, for, for young, especially for young people. Young people, because they now have such easy access to the internet, they can find this information out very quickly uh, and very easily. Um, it's very important, I believe, based on what we have seen. This is just what we have seen over the years. Is if you are a young person, uh, you will find yourself basically in two scenarios. One, you are under the care of your parents, you're dependent upon them. You may live with them either in high school or you may be even out of high school. And then the other scenario is you're independently on your own. Mm -hmm. And depending on what situation that you find yourself in, it really will determine what you need to consider doing or not doing. Mm -hmm. um, we have people 15, 16 years old who will call us and say, you know, I realize I've been doing a lot of reading at night, late at night. And this ain't the truth. What should I do? Mm -hmm. Well, for a young person like that, they're in a very, very difficult, very difficult situation. Um, we will tell people, because this goes opposite of what Jehovah's Witnesses will say uh, about us as former Jehovah's Witnesses. We would, we would never tell a young person to disrespect their parents. In fact, we will let young people know your parents love you mm -hmm. and they want only the best for you. Mm -hmm. But here's the problem. Your parents have not been willing to do what you have been willing to do as a young person. Mm -hmm. And that is critically examine what they are a part of. And so even though they are well-meaning, there's information that they lack. Mm -hmm. And what happens is this, this organization promises people stuff. Mm -hmm. You're going to get love. You're going to get your dead loved one back. Mm -hmm. You're going to get your health. back. And so each person who is one of Jehovah's witnesses has been told and promised something. Mm -hmm. And for many from so many people, man, this organization, they are not going to let you take away what the Watchtower promised them. Mm -hmm. And when you come to them with information that challenges or that raises the question, you know, you might not get what the Watchtower promised you mm -hmm. because it's not true. Mm -hmm. It is very, very difficult to swallow, especially if they have been involved with this religion for 10, 15, 20, they have dedicated, it's like, it's like people, you dedicated your life to a company or you, you know, you, you put your investments into what you thought was a good investment. And then when you are about ready to use it, you find out, Oh, there's nothing in the fund. Mm -hmm. There's nothing in the fund. I put, I've been putting money in for 30 years. <laughs> and, <in> the fund. <laughs> and so kind of the way it is for a lot of young people, who have parents who are witnesses and they realize this is not the truth. Their mom and daddy has been trying for years to get this promise. Mm -hmm. So you have to be patient. Mm -hmm. um, you have to be patient. Do not try, do not, and I tell you this, we, we, we stress this, do not try to shove this stuff down somebody's throat. Mm -hmm. I, I, Lady C puts it best. I'm, I'm going to let her explain to you about the journey. It, that's listening. very important. Mm -hmm. That you understand each person's journey. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I let someone know is that they had a pioneer partner and they were going to go serve with a needless grave. And so um, she had found out that this was not the truth. And so she, you know, in her learning that this wasn't the truth, she felt that it was her responsibility to now tell this 
um, other sister that, hey, look, I need to let her know this ain't the truth, too. Mm-hmm. And I told her, this is the way I explained it. I said, you have the opportunity to, you know, realize that this is not the truth or you didn't want to belong to this religion anymore or you stumbled across something on the Internet. And you got a chance to look this information over for the last six months. Mm-hmm. You got a chance to read it, digest it, you know, go back on the Internet, decide whether or not you want to keep on looking at something. You know, sometimes people may decide I'm going to watch one video and then they may not go back for another two weeks. You know, so that was their journey. They got to, you know, like digest the information along the way. So it wasn't like somebody was trying to come to them in one day and within one hour, they don't told them about the United Nations, um, Australian Royal Commission, um, and just all these things that they've learned over a six month to a year period of time. And now you're trying to stuff all this down somebody's throat in <laughs> one hour. And I, told her, I said, it's not fair mm-hmm. that you said to somebody mm-hmm. that you would just put from out from under them when you had the chance to determine, you know, like if I'm on the internet and I'm surfing YouTube mm-hmm. and I see a video that catches my eye, mm-hmm. I can click on it or not. Mm-hmm. That's my, but don't take other people's choices away from them and then force them to read or watch something that you watched. Oh yeah. Because they're ready for that. Oh yeah. And and the reason why so many people are having problems because they don't realize just how important this phrase that I coined, silence is power. Mm -hmm. It's just like the the Jehovah's Witness. When you go to their door, you knock on the door and you you go there and you're trying to, you know, um, preach to them or or maybe a Jehovah's Witness is asking you, do you still believe this is the truth? Because that's the way they're going the way you respond Mm -hmm. to a person asking you if they believe it's the truth is the way they're going to respond to you after you say yes or no. Mm -hmm. So you have a, um, obligation to yourself when you leave to, you know, silence is power. You can have more power by being silent than you are when you're talking. Because the more you, the more you let people know you don't want this religion. And you know what's going to happen when you tell them, I don't want the religion. Mm-hmm. So you just lost all of your bargaining chips. Oh, yeah. You, you, you're going to get thrown out the house by your parents. Mm-hmm. You're going to be shot. You're going to lose your job if you work for a witness. Mm-hmm. You're going to lose your house if you're renting from a witness. Mm-hmm. They're going to get rid of you out of their life. Oh, yeah. So silence is power. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. What I was gonna say was for me, if you would have told, if uh, I left, like I said, I left in 2014. If you would have told me in 2008 that it wasn't the truth, well, the, the religion to watch the Watchtower Society wasn't the truth, the Jehovah's Witnesses' religion wasn't the truth, I would have been like, oh, hold up, you know, I've been a little bit scared. But I came to that realization myself personally, 
personally. It's a personal journey. My buddy, my buddy, who I haven't seen in 12 years, he came to it. My other two and three, four, five, six friends, they came to it. And we all came at different times. And if we all, if you would have tried to tell us all back in 2008 that this was the thing, then, you know, everyone comes to different information at different times. And that's okay. We don't have to force that down people's throats. So as, yeah. we, as we round the bend and we finish the last part of the stretch of this, uh, this, this conversation, where do you guys see the future of the X? JW movement because we know Leah Remini has done a lot of wonderful things. She has put what she's talking about Scientology, but she also took that mantle of high control groups and, and even put her name behind Jehovah's Witnesses to, to risk herself. And it's dangerous and risky for a lot of people to do that. And she's done that. And her career in a lot of ways have suffered um, because of that. Because Scientology is such a powerful uh, group. And so, and, and, and she's taken that mantle as well. Tell us about that, that, this future. What do you guys see the future of the XJW movement? Um, I think we're going to see basically two things happen. Um, the watchtower sells the most important thing that we as humans need. Mm -hmm. And that's hope. Mm -hmm. And that's hope. We need hope. Um, and so there will always be someone who's born today that is going to find themselves in a difficult situation in their life. And they're going to need hope. And as a result, they are going to be attracted to the message of Jehovah's Witnesses. So that they will just simply replace us with other people who are willing and because they want this hope that the Watchtower offers and they're going to reach out and grab it. Mm -hmm. By the same token, one of the things that high control groups or cults have always benefited from was being able to control the flow of information. Mm -hmm. As I mentioned, the internet is a game changer mm -hmm. because now they no longer are able to control the flow of information. Mm -hmm. We see perfect examples of that when we're able to literally go onto the internet and with the click of a mouse, you now can read anyone. I mean, anyone on the face of the earth can now read what is known as bodies of elders letters, whereas 30, 40 years ago, nobody could see those things. Now you can see everybody the elder letter you want to. And so, Information is now available that people can read and then they can, they can look at it. They can just digest it, as Lady said, and they can come to their own conclusion. I can't believe that the organization is telling the elders to do this in these private letters. Mm -hmm. We knew nothing about it. Oh, we yeah. never heard of this. Oh, yeah. And, um, and, so, and so that's where the, for, for the, for the ex-children community is going to continue to grow. Mm -hmm. um, people are going to continue to leave and it's going to be harder. I mean, they, they're already have re they've already done the research. Mm -hmm. The organization called the Pew, mm -hmm. and one of the things they notice when they examine all these different religions in the United States, Jehovah's Witnesses, they have the highest what is known as churn rate, mm -hmm. and that means rolling over. Mm -hmm. They also have one of the highest rates of their children not remaining Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm -hmm. More and more congregations are finding themselves with literally little to no young people there. And the reason why is because you cannot keep someone under control once they taste freedom. Just oh, yeah. that simple. And I'm one of those young people. And, his, and, and I have at least six or seven men, young men who are in the uh, late 20s and 30s. And it's, I'm part of that group, like you said. So 
So yeah, and for people who don't know who Leah Remini is, she was on the King of Queens. She played, uh, you know, the character's wife, Doug. I think he's the, the driver. He played his wife, a uh, Carrie, and she's yep. done some wonderful work on documentaries and stuff like that. And they should look it up. Um, and some documentaries you guys should look up is Silent Lambs. You know, the, there's a big thing with child sex abuse going on, and they've lost one of the biggest. that has been back and forth in, in court with the child sex abuse scandal, Candace Conti. So there's many things people can look at that are objective from the New York Times. Times, from Time Magazine, from other places, not just from what we're saying. You can look objectively at other well-respected news organizations that are vetted, and they'll tell you, and they'll give you the same information, and you see that. So it's just not a smash and beat on Jehovah's Witness. The people we're talking about, the power structure and the organization, which are separate from the people. The people are being whipped, so to speak. You need to have empathy and understanding of these people. Um, so, any final notes before we finish up, guys? Yeah, I would like to piggyback off on what you were saying about what you think is going to happen with the ex-Jehovah's Witness community. I think that we're going to be finding a lot more challenges as the Jehovah's Witnesses begin to go underground with their um, meetings and so forth because a lot of things that they're, they're beginning to change, like because of the COVID, you know, they're, they're, they're doing Zoom meetings. Mm -hmm. uh, we've been hearing uh, reports about how they're not going to be doing conventions and and, and all this selling of kingdom halls and so forth. So they're really trying to go underground as much as they can. And so the only way you're going to be able to get information is from the um, people that are still going to the meetings and so forth. So, you know, it's going to, it's going to probably get more challenging as they begin to shut down and go underground more. But as long as people are continuing to wake up, you know, and they're feeding you the information, you'll, you'll be able to get the information. But the, the, the Watchtower is also changing their lingo, mm -hmm. you know, as you, since we left the organization, I mean, when we were in, it was the presiding overseer, now it's the Kobe, mm -hmm. you know, and stuff like, and the, the, the regional convention, the, it used to be the, the, the district convention, so they're trying to change the lingo so that people in the extra homeless women's community, once somebody says something and it doesn't sound the same as what they're currently using, you know, in their, in their language, they're trying to say, oh, they don't have the real truth, or they're not. They don't know what they're talking about because that's not what we what we call it. Mm -hmm. So you know, you you gotta continue to face those kind of challenges. Oh you yeah. Know? Oh yeah, but the good thing is there's thousands of people that we, we got the digital age, we got information, people should look and be objective. And I think about that in anything, whether it's politically or it's religiously, people need to be, you have, there's no excuse for people nowadays when it comes to information, you control your destiny. And I wanted to be this, uh, you guys are a wonderful example of people who made it out and helped others. And I think um, I call upon a lot of my XJW friends, you know, figure out a way that you can figure out your way of being part of activism. You may not necessarily do a YouTube page, you may not necessarily do a podcast like me but there's ways you can do that whether that's being a listening ear to your friends and um and then uh, you know and people who are families of people who are, are jehovah's witnesses or ex-jehovah's witnesses be empathetic when they reach back out to you because they you know they this is this they love you and they care about you they're just in a situation that is very very complicated so again thank you lady c and uh, jt for coming on it's a, been more than a pleasure i'm humbled again to have you guys on um i look forward to uh having you guys back on again and, and just continuing this conversation conversation um you know maybe even on on the on the youtube as well so thank you so much guys for coming on hey man like we always say i really have questions i can't answer than answers i can't question <laughs> i love it all right guys thank Thanks. you so uh, very happy to be here thanks oh, for inviting us man. oh it's been more than a pleasure guys